0: What's up, wimps and posers? It's the Death Metal Boys. Do a Street Pump.
1: Welcome to Death Metal. Death Strike <laughs> Listen to Manowar... Article one. That's all you should do this week. If you like this show, only thing you should listen to besides this is Manowar. If you don't understand Manowar, spend some time with it. Hear the lyrics. Go to war. For metal. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We got a special treat this week because one of our Patreon users, Bobby Henderson, longtime supporter of the show, highest tier of patronage, good friend, and he helps us run the Facebook page. So. We let people at certain tiers of Patreon pick a crime or a death metal song that they want to compare to a crime. So he hit us with one of the best death metal songs of all time, Bolt Thrower, What Dwells Within. And so I thought to myself, it's got to be, because when I think about Bolt Thrower, I think about war, you know? Like I want to go to war, like I want to get in a tank and just drive it through a pussy, Impossible, but that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, like, you get a tank, and you put, like, 15 fucking Scud missiles on the outside of it, and you turn on the pink sink and just fucking, rawr, and cram it in there. Man, I got you one. know what one. I mean?
0: We, we both got a Scuds missile.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they I shoot mean. shoot Yeah, you can't fucking come as Scuds. What if you came lint? Man, that's a... Uh...
0: That's a hell of a ride right there. You
1: were, <laughs> yeah, that would suck, dude. Man, the pink like, sink only-
0: would soak it up and it would, <laughs> it would pull it straight
1: out. Man, pink sinks the funniest thing we thought of for a while, dude. Yeah, pink sink. Because uh, <laughs> it's just like the natural lubrication, man. You turn on the pink sink. Yeah, the fucking faucets, <laughs> the clit. Oh
0: my god, dude. <laughs> <laughs> turn your pink sink on. Sit back. And get rubbed. <laughs> And you get wet. <laughs> God damn it! So, uh, but what if you made? <laughs> you know, what if you made somebody take a whore bath in a
1: pink sink?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, man. It's like, fuck, dude! I haven't showered in like three days. We got this wedding to go to. There's no fuck. <laughs> There's no water anywhere. Where can I get some moisture to fucking clean myself up with? Well, hold on a second. <laughs> when you're on the know. brink of stink. <laughs>
0: Fire up the pink, pink sink. sink. You're going to get clean as fuck. <laughs> then you got to smell like an air duct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <God>. <laughs> fuck me, man. All right. So when I think of bull thrower, I think of war. Now I wanted to do a war crime. So we ended up with a two part episode about some crazy shit. I found this dude named Dr. Marcel Petot, which is his French, which fuck the French. First of all, <laughs> I thought he laughed. Captain Valerie is his uh, nickname. And then his nickname evolved into Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan. Dr. Satan, Dr. Satan. <laughs> oh, Dr. Satan. But yeah, man, that's like the original dude, man, that uh, inspired that Goofy Rob Zombie shit, I guess. And then, I mean, he's a complete psychopath. Super interesting story. His entire life blew me the fuck away, because we see a ramp for every serial killer. They start out testing the water. It's like, the types of crimes that I did when I was a kid was mainly, you know, like stealing beers, and you warm up to it, you know? You figure out, like, you can get a pack of gum, you figure out you can get this, you can get that, you start tucking, like, one beer in there, and eventually you got buddy walking out with, like, 64 line kugels from a fucking Chicago's... I
0: to hell, you know, it's like... (laughs) Man, if you don't use it, you lose it. You know, and I've been <laughs> having to, I've been having to build back up here in these later times.
1: You know, i have <laughs> been stealing, dude. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so taquitos. Uh, yeah, I had right? taquito taquitos in that's three weeks, man. I'm losing it. I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> you, you lost your fucking taquitos. Th- th- I didn't th- even bring my vest, man. That's where you. That's how yeah. you,
0: man. It's like you know. You see, that is
1: real funny, man. We were in the fucking come and go like three weeks ago, and uh, you know we're getting all of our shit. And uh, we're about to get to the cash register to check out. And I told Buddy he could get whatever he wants and I'd pay for it. So I got like pork rinds and nacho cheese, some water. And uh, Buddy put up, like, one bag of chips, and then, like, the, as soon as the dude turned his back for one second, you opened your vest, and there was, like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking four taquitos in that pocket, man, just poking up. What were you calling them? Uh, was, Ke- Kentucky
0: Cigars, man, man. a Kentucky Cigar, dude. Fucking <laughs> taquitos, you know dude. what? You don't remember think of that, man? Yeah. It was because when you'd watch, like, Gangland, and they'd have, like, a Hells Angels interview, <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. guy would just open his leather vest up and pull
1: a cigar out and light it up. <laughs> and he just pull a taquito out, man. That's a hard way to roll, dude. If you don't smoke cigars, you just have a vest full of fucking taquitos ready to go. You should get a cigar case and put taquitos in it. Hell yeah. You know those ones that have like the fucking flip top like Bugs Bunny used to roll around with and you would just crack it open and pop one cigar up and just fucking flip that taquito up and crack it right in the side of your mouth and slowly chew it down, dude. Or they just
0: like (laughs) save me the ones that have hair on them, you know? (laughs) Man, you
1: know what I hate about that come and go? I don't think it's even stealing from there because for a while we were going and they had that lady that had, she had teeth. Like I've seen a lot of people that don't have teeth. And they'll be missing, like, the entire bottom row of their teeth or, like, the front two teeth. But she, in her mouth, only had the left half of teeth. Like, the right half was all gone, but the left half was all there. Hey, how the fuck did that occur? Everything just went (laughs) on the fucking right side and the left side was cool? Like, even the teeth that were touching where the right side is didn't get affected by whatever type of rot happened there. Or did you only, could she only afford, like, half of a removal and is waiting to save it for the other half? And instead of getting, like, the bottom and then the top, she was like, well, I could chew over here if I keep this half for the time being, you know?
0: All right, man. That's how they came up with the uh, idea for 2 facing <laughs> and Batman. <laughs> she had some fucked up. <laughs> she had
1: fucked up everything. But she was nice as shit to us. Yeah, man. She was like, you boys are always having a good time. Here, have some taquitos." She would be, like, throwing all the day before's food away. Right when we were getting there, and she would just let you have it. Yeah. And then you actually dug him out of the trash one time.
0: I did. And one time, (laughs) hey man, I do remember that one time she was like, y'all are always having a good time. And Chris goes, yeah, because we're gay. And she was like, hell yeah. Yeah, that was was it, it, man. As soon as that happened, we started getting free taquitos. Yeah,
1: I guess she just liked to think about us fucking going and pounding each other's asses. And that's when we were peak fat. Man. Just imagine us in my fucking Scion fucking each other's asses. No. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she did yeah. For sure It's 100%. probably smelled The way it smells now <laughs> yeah, yeah, it stinks in there I don't clean that man, shit Man, one
0: time I came over to your house it was like Right after fucking Thanksgiving And there was paper plates Everywhere Stains <laughs> in them and shit And I was like What the fuck You been doing <laughs> In was, the car Yeah, man yeah. And you had one like, There was a slice of pie it had a, a bite Taken out of it With a whipped right. cream And then you were just like Hey, I gotta go to the store And you take a bite out of that shit Like a grenade <laughs> And so it off, man <laughs> Really? Yeah I, I don't remember that at oh, all Oh, yeah you, well, well,
1: I can tell you exactly Exactly pender- that was when your foot was hurting real bad too. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, he has got gout, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I think that was a straight up gout attack, man. Man, you, we were being, I mean, we were scumbed. Yeah, I mean, you just get to a point, dude, where you give the fuck up. It's easy to do. Just be like, fuck it, man. Yeah. I'm not doing anything physical. I'm eating whatever I want, and then it just builds and builds. So you have like a threshold, then you got to keep surpassing it. It's like, fuck it, man. I've been here before. I could just eat like this. And then, like, your fucking once a month terrible meal becomes like once a week, and then it becomes every fucking day, you know? Yeah. Well, we surpassed that, and uh, I don't know what led us down the stinky scion hole, but let's get back to Dr. Marcel Patoit, a.k.a. Dr. Say. I have no idea how to say his last name. I just assume you French it up. It's P E T I O T, so it's probably Patois. Uh, This motherfucker, he's literally done every crime Like All the crimes you can do have been committed by this man And like I was saying, serial killers have a ramp up That's how they do it, they test the waters They end up, you know, maybe they they peeping Tom Uh, Maybe they prank phone call, they stalk They work their way into the crime that they're going to be committing They test what they can get away with And then once they figure out they can get away with it They usually start developing a pattern and see, like Richard Ramirez, every time he would kill someone, mainly his pattern was to see, like, how extreme he could make it, you know? Like, he would just keep trying to get more and more gruesome, and every single crime is like, well, I mangled this face and had sex with it this way, let's try to make it even worse the next time, maybe put a baby in the mix. Whatever type of crazy shit he could get away with. Like, when he pounded those olds, yeah. remember they were all feebed up in a bed, and he just got in there and crammed it anyway? God damn, and then carved a fucking pentagram into him. I don't understand where you get to a level of depravity where you're having sex with a old woman, dude. You're like a young, he's not even a bad looking guy, and he's just pounding old. For what reason? Right, <laughs> just right. to be evil, dude? Some people like, if you want to be evil, to hear or, your
0: hips getting broken. Ugh, God. It's like punishment for you. Like, wow. Every time you slip it in, it sounds like an egg getting cracked open. Oh, my God, dude. Like a real faint fucking... Yeah, man. You make it like a 72-egg omelet. Oh. oh,
1: Jesus Christ. Well... <sighs> Dr. Satan worked his way up into the ill shit with some small shit, and then the small shit just kept making the snowball until, I guess, he just had enough of all the boring crimes and wanted to get into the thick of it. Before we get to that... Let's get to the advertising portion, which isn't really an advertisement; it's more of just a favor to us. If you enjoy this podcast, please help us out by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It's a small thing, sounds like it's not a big deal. It actually is. The more you do it, the more it helps us out. We appreciate everyone who has. And when you pop that five stars in, go ahead and subscribe. And when you do the five-star review, every time we get more of them, people have not been typing anything in. You don't have to tell us how cool we are. We're not trying to pump the old ego up. You put anything in there. Just type ass and push in. Ass push in, And that's cool with me. Street pump. Street pump? Man, hell yeah. If you put street pump in there, you'll be my favorite. Um, but that helps a ton. This stupid iTunes has a way that they work and to try to push you up the charts or peek into the charts or whatever type of thing to make more people see the podcast. That's their algorithm. You have to have an interaction to make your thing pop up to the top of whatever feed it's on, basically. So please do that. That helps a ton. If you have, thank you so much for doing that. Tell your friends about it. That helps a lot. If you're really into helping out, we've got a Patreon. Patreon is a way to support artists without any type of advertising or corporate over, overlordship. You just directly support us. You go to patreon.com backslash death metal dicks. We do a special episode every other week where me and buddy sit down and talk about things that aren't what we normally talk about in the show. If you've been a fan since, ever since when Buddy read the lyrics and you like that, Buddy reads the lyrics on that show and he just blew a burp in my face on the microphone. It smells like hot, horrible protein and ass. Um, You type that in to Patreon.com. Pick a tier that you want to get into. You get a reward for it and you get a secret episode every other week. Also, if you don't like the subscription type, you just want to do a one time donation. Everything helps us to the littlest amount to the biggest amount. Anything you give us means the world to us. We appreciate it so goddamn much. Uh, you can do it through PayPal with our email address, deathmetaldicks at gmail.com. Uh, and we have tons of people to do it. We appreciate it so much. We shout them out at the end of every episode. But since I forgot, last fucking episode, we're going to do it right now. And this is our highest tier of patrons. And like I said, this episode was inspired by Bolt Thrower's song, What Dwells Within. And that was sent to us by our friend Bobby Henderson, who we basically met through Patreon. And now he helps us run our Facebook group. You can join that. It's fun as hell. Lots of metal posting going on in there. We have fun. And we also got to thank Cam Catron. Or is it Katron? I don't know. I've only read it. (laughs) Uh, Matt Mess. Bobby Henderson, of course. Ryan Parker. Casey Gayden. Those are the highest tier of patrons. Thank you guys so much for supporting us week after week, even though we're dumb. Dumb.
0: Dumb. And if you want to get
1: in on that, join up. We'll shout you out. We'll uh, let you pick episodes. We'll get you some shirts. All types of cool shit. Patreon.com. Backslash dicks. All done with that. Let's start off at this... Fucking freaks, life. <laughs> January seventeenth, eighteen ninety seven is when my man Marcel Petiot was born into the world. That can't be how you say it. Petiot, Pitiot. Whatever. Yeah. Um. I like Petiot. Yeah, me too. Oh, Marcel Petiot. Pé, friends are always like, what friends, huh? I beg Just need some Nyquil. I beg uh, So not a lot About his early life online Again pretty interesting Now one thing that I can tell you about Dr. Satan And looking it up is that there's a, a lot of Controversy about things that did and didn't happen Because it's so old 1800s historical Preservation wasn't that great There's photographs of him and there's legal documents That got translated but there, This was also a lot of it happened during World War One, as we all know Germany Invaded France so a lot of records got Mingled and mangled so What we know for sure about him is that at age 11, this is like an example into a life of fuckery. 11 years old. Now, we've got a lot of school shootings going on in America right now. There's been kids as young as kindergarten taking guns to school. And there's been plenty of high schoolers that go on a rampage and shoot up their school. It's a current trend. Were people doing it in 1897? I don't think so. I think my man was a pioneer because he took his father's gun to school. Went in the classroom, fired it off, and then used that leverage to try to get a student in the classroom to have sex with him.
0: Age eleven.
1: Age eleven. Man, how do you even come up with that in the eighteen hundreds? Just like, ho, I take the pistol, I go to school, I fire a one shot in air, give me the puss.
0: I mean, he could have probably just done that.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because French fuck, man in the park in public yeah they stay fucking dog why don't you ever do that with my dick uh, and so propositioned his classmate for sex and uh, a thing you'll notice with Marcel is that throughout his entire life he does all types of crazy shit his ramifications are always a mental evaluation that must be some French thing which is why they drug us into World War I and then bailed on us to leave us to fight their goddamn fight
0: I guess I don't know
1: I don't really know that much About the French I just feel like I hate them And I think it's because Of Pepe Le Pew You know what I'm saying Just like a straight rapist Why do we have to watch That cartoon He's a horrible Terrible deviant He probably went to school At age 11 with a gun Dude he had to have I mean this was way Before Looney Tunes But I'm guessing that Pepe Le Pew Was based upon Dr. Satan for sure Hmm (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and so as a teenager He got caught robbing a post office box He was charged with damage Of public property and theft He was sentenced to a psychiatric evaluation And the doctors found That he had a mental illness Like kleptomania and a psychopath So the charges were dropped And then as a, he was a juvenile delinquent His entire life He had kleptomania which is a legit disease And if you don't know what that means It's just you can't stop stealing shit You have to do it It's like, if you want to steal something from fun... Like, every fucking teenager steals. Especially white girls. Dude, white girls steal. Oh, yeah. Everything. I had a girlfriend in high school. Dude, she would get every fucking thing available. Like, like all the clothes I had, dude, were straight yanked by her. Because no one would ever do shit about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, she would go in with, like, a pair of fucking Lee pipes on... I put, like, five pairs of fucking pants underneath it and just walked the fuck out. Was she in the Earth Crisis? It was wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, dude. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he, and uh, he just couldn't stop. He had legit kleptomania. Diagnosed with it. Uh, stole all the time. He got expelled from school, like, 17 times. Um, he was diagnosed as mentally ill, which was, like, an official 1800s French diagnosis. It's, like, basically, if you were... Mentally unstable enough that you had to be you, if you were an adult you would be on disability they just framed you as mentally ill so that's supposed to be your whole life that's what you got going on is being mentally ill your entire life cycle revolved around how people have to help you get through living um, he finished his education at a special academy in Paris July 1915 that's uh, college so this is again close to World War One. Um, I got to take a cig- swig this water. A sig swig. I wish there was a cigarette butt in that water. Ma'am, have you ever had that happen to you? Like someone put a cigarette butt in a drink and then you weren't paying attention and went and drank it? Yeah, I it's like, the
0: worst thing. I had a dude leave a beer out of a urinal, a fresh <laughs> one, and I chugged it and filled it with piss and left it there. And he, <laughs> what the fuck? What? <laughs> he like went back for it. It was that long shot, yeah. He went to grab it, take a swing, just spit it, and he's like, "What the?" Fuck?
1: So he like left the bathroom and forgot his beer and came back. It for was It was
0: a fresh beer. He had yeah, I hadn't even had a sip at. Yeah, it, yeah. I chugged it, pissed at it, put it back on. there. That
1: is his fault though, because if you leave a beer unattended in the bathroom. <laughs> you got to let it go, man. You can't go back and get that shit. No,
0: man. And I was ripped. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Think about how many things that we've seen in bathrooms and pissed on. Jackets, hats, just anything. Like, if we've been drinking and you're, something's in the bathroom, it's for Yeah, we sure. might even turn the toilet out of the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done that. We, remember when we fucking double-deckered that toilet? And then uh, we, we were gone for like five hours, and we came back, and they had the toilet loaded up in the back of a truck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, why would you just clean it out, dude? was all
0: fucking Betty Spaghetti was <laughs> all fucking
1: blown away. <laughs> oh, man. Just think about that level of frustration where you double-decker, like someone goes to flush the toilet. And, you know, what's funny about a double-decker is when you shit it. If First of all, don't have a public toilet with a tank on it. He, yeah. You know, you shit the top, so when you flush it, just shit residue keeps coming out. Well, you know,
0: man. the water comes out to, like, change out. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah, fucking yeah. noodles, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. the turd can't fit through that hole. Only water can, so it's just like a <laughs> turd fucking filtered water keeps coming back into the toilet. And you own a gas station, and you just go into piss, and you flush it. And you're like, huh, flush it again? What? Flush it again? Man, what the hell? You look at the top, and there's just... <laughs> <laughs> Again, Horrible a shit A couple of fucking stink canoes <laughs> <laughs> Oh man And uh, hey, you know it was a loose mouth uh, So uh, there's uh. no cleaning out, dude. And you just get so mad You take the whole toilet out of the wall <laughs> <laughs> God damn it Turn boy. that shit
0: into a summer camp kidney off man
1: <laughs> uh, Fuck me Yeah I mean we were total juvenile delinquents So he gets done with uh, Special Academy july 1915 uh and if world war one it started he became a french army volunteer january 1916 he actually went to battle i mean that was your fate if you lived anywhere in the world hence the word world war you automatically basically went into the army uh and i don't know if he got drafted or not because my grandpa got drafted in the korean war even though he got drafted he was called a volunteer. So, like, he didn't go to the Army and say, hey, fellas, sign me up. He got fucking his number called and had to, like, go down there. And then they drafted his ass and they called it a volunteering for it. So it probably was something like that because this guy for sure doesn't want to go to war. You man, know what i There's saying? no way we could do that now. Do what? Draft people? Just draft. Why not? We'd have the weakest. Yeah, for sure, man. America so soft. Nobody
0: listens to Man of War. Martin exactly. Christian. But that it means... it like everybody in our fucking group page would have to go to... We'd be 346 of us. Yeah, hard. we would kick everybody's oh, fucking ass. because
1: okay, we were listening to Man of War the whole yeah, time, man. getting emboldened. You would just tell us the enemy doesn't like metal. Give us they cameras? have a song called Holy War, and it's like... This is a holy war. But it's talking about metal, like, they're fighting for metal. Like, that's what it is. That's a religion. It's not, yeah, because they, they're like, they're like, war has no gods, no masters, only metal. metal. <laughs> <laughs> Shit rips, boy. And uh, so he goes into the army, and he's in active combat. In the second battle of Asin, he was wounded and fucking gassed. And he had a mental breakdown. As a result of the mental breakdown, he was sent to a rest home. But then he was arrested for stealing army blankets, morphine, and other army supplies, as well as soldiers' personal items, wallets, photographs, and letters. He was jailed in Orleans, then sent to a psychiatric hospital in Florelis, Obras. He was again diagnosed with various mental illnesses. He's just a fucking psychopath. Psychopath, straight up. And you can tell because of the weird shit that he's stealing. He's stealing me. He's got kleptomania, so he steals the steal. But, like, the personal effects and weird shit like that, he's just only trying to make himself feel good. You know what I mean? He's only, like, if if my fucking wife, like, wrote me a letter with a picture of her knockers or some shit and you stole it, that's some psychopath shit. You know what I mean? It's like, obviously, that's special to me, but you don't give a fuck. You just want to jack to the knocks, so you yank that thing out of my army satchel. And even after that diagnosis, I assume because it's World War I, he was returned to the fucking front lines June of 1918. One week later, he hurt his foot, allegedly, with his own grenade. He blew his own shit up. Yeah, exactly. He's like, how can I get out of the war? Think. Pow! Oh, my foot. Uh, And I fucking blame France for this. Why did they send him back after being diagnosed as mentally insane? Then... After he goes and rehabs from that, they still attach this fuck to another regiment in September. And then, once again, he sat down in front of mental professionals. And they gave him a new diagnosis, which was finally enough to get him off of the battlefield. And he was discharged with a disability pension. So now he's getting paid for being a psychopath, basically. Um, And after the war... He enrolled in this accelerated learning program, which because of his mental condition, he wasn't supposed to get into. It was intended for war veterans. And he got into the medical program, which is like it's an accelerated course. But you got to think about if you're especially in uh, something like World War One, you know, obviously in the 18, uh, the early 1900s, the training is not going to be the highest quality for medical professionals anyway. Like you remember there used to be like a barbershop that would also extract your teeth and shit like that. Do I remember that? Well, I mean, you don't remember it from your life, but you know it from watching like Kurt Douglas movies and shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, there's not, medical school is not the same thing, but if you were a field medic, you would basically go to army boot camp and then you would get on the field and, and be a field medic. So if an emergency happened, you would do what you can to help whoever got hurt out. And that type of person, you know, they would consider that like on the job training towards being a medical professional. So they had an accelerated learning program f- basically for people like that. Well, somehow, I mean, not somehow, he's a psychopath. So, you know, he can get his way into anything. Yeah. He gets his way into this program. He finished medical school in eight months. <laughs> That's just hilarious. Like, an ex- like, I mean, now, even if you're on like an accelerated plan and you go to school every fucking day. Uh, You would have to, it would still take like eight years of, you know what I'm saying, doctor, of fucking doctor school. And then he became an intern at the mental hospital in Evro, and he received his medical degree December of 1921. So it only took two years for the entire process. Then he moved to villeneuve sur yon where he received payments for his services of being a doctor, both from the patient's, And from government medical assistance funds. And what that means is like, let's say I'm in France, it's socialist, you know, they have healthcare, but like people are dumb as shit. So you come to me and I'm a doctor and I'm like, all right, you got to get five stitches in your pussy. And France would just pay for that. You know, there'd be no copay, no nothing. But this dude would be like, so to get the five stitches in your hole, you're going to have to pay me 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. But then also France would pay him for that, so he was just preying on people. How are people that dumb, dude? It's fucking France. Number one, number two, it's the 1900s. There's no internet. What do you want them to do? If you fucking go to the doctor, it's a for sure a goddamn emergency. Are you a francophobic? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't like the French because I'm afraid of becoming French. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're going to take one bite out of a croissant, two bitty, and it's over, buddy. (laughs) You you got your fucking mustache.
1: You're almost there, buddy. You know what it is, dude? Is that uh, because I'm not on carbohydrates right now and uh, I love them so much, they just make that's who makes the best breads, dude. French number one breads. So I know if I support France, I'm going to end up with a croissant, and then down I go. It's like giving a meth head meth, baby, I'm gonna be off to the fucking car Hey man,
0: they fucked up the sandwich game when they brought the baguette to New Orleans,
1: man. Dude, I love a baguette, man. The, what that's the number one bread. Like that a is. good nice baguette. However those ended up in fucking Vietnam, think the lord that yeah. they did. Well, they, they've got the goddamn a bon, bon po boys me That's that my favorite with. shit. Uh, baguette's not a bon me bread. I didn't say bon me a po'boy. boy. I mean baguette is a bon me bread, it's not a po'boy boy bread. Baguette's a slender one.
0: But still, some French, French shit. The French
1: bread, yeah, that shit's delicious, dude. Like, it's all chewy like that, man. Yeah. Fuck me. God, I'm getting not only hungry, but legit horny. Like, I'm getting a half because I'm thinking about hot, chewy bread with some fried oysters and that shit. A little bit of mm-hmm. Uh I'm so off course, I'm not even, I'm just talking about food. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting boned up. In the midst of someone's <laughs> life story Getting all fooded uh, But yeah, so uh, Jesus Christ, food He is working in the, in, in uh, this hospital And you know how doctors work today it's, it's kind of the same thing Because if you go to medical school You get out, you become a resident So you work in a hospital Or in like a family practice And you are a doctor And you're getting paid But you're also like Working off your debt you know, yeah, and so you're working for somebody, and they're also keeping an eye on you and training you how to do the job the right way. You don't just jump off right out of school, even though you've had tons of practice and training in school, and go like right on your own. You still have to have someone look after you and kind of apprentice you into it. And that's kind of what he's doing over the next couple of years, even though he's bamboozling money. At this time, my man had begun using. Addictive narcotics. I don't know what they had back then. I'm certain it's some type of opiate. Morphine, you know? probably. Yeah, exactly. Morphine, ether, you know, whatever you can get your hands on. But of course, just like now, I mean, it's an opiate. It's addictive and it fucks people up. Well, so. I mean,
0: methamphetamine was around back then too, I think.
1: Uh, methamphetamine was invented by the Germans for World War II. Okay. So it's close. That's legit who made it. Isn't that wild as hell, man?
0: That's the term. Where the term getting jazzed up came from it was because all the jazz musicians were fucking banging amphetamine.
1: Yeah? For real. I thought it was Reefer that they were all worried about. No, man.
0: They, they weren't yeah. ever ready to, worried about that, man, because they were prescribing it back in the day to people that were, like called pet pills. But... Well,
1: you know when they made pot illegal, the big smear campaign was that, like, don't let white women go to the jazz club. That's where... Coloreds are smoking marijuana and raping. They can't control themselves. Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, but it was just. You mean the, it's
0: just like I get my fucking hog hole slammed by a baby arm?
1: Yeah, the way they turn their, <laughs> <laughs> they got their fucking pink sink turned on, dude. Because reefer makes fucking cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> Getting high and boning, dude. That's the way to go, nin. Yeah, man. That's like the only cool thing to do on pot. And I wish we had a pink sink po' boy. <laughs> but just a fried fucking like a turkey vulva.
0: Yeah, that lady from the Antichrist movie just cut, like, six more clits off Woo! from the sandwich.
1: <laughs> Speaking of French, man, Lars von Trier's movie Antichrist, fuck that. She just pull and, and I hate the way, you know, he <laughs> does a good job of making it look real because she pulls that boy out, and yeah. it's all plump and, like, grabs, you know how it's got, like, that hood situation? Yeah. And just snips that whole fucking thing off, man, of herself, dude. Oh, just, and it's getting hot by It doesn't do it to, like die because she she's getting
0: hot <laughs> clips off the squid eye
1: <laughs> straight
0: out of her beef sleeve <laughs> <and it's>,
1: uh... <laughs> the shrunken squid eye dude oh my god uh so whew, god damn man we're fucking running off topic too much today i'm getting all worked up about food and then fucking beef sleeves uh but yeah so i mean that's a bad combination because this guy's a psychopath and and he's highly educated for the time. He's be, so he's getting money. He, if you have somebody that becomes addicted to narcotics, they have money to buy the narcotics, and they also are working like the sketchiest job to be hooked on drugs to. I would think anything to be fucked up, a doctor is the worst thing to be fucked up, especially in like the 1900s where you're just doing, you're just wiling out and doing surgeries your own way. You know, like you're just figuring shit out, dude. It's not like you have all these manuals in the fucking internet and smart lecturers who have been there before. It's like, yes, I work at John Hopkins University and I have successfully performed this operation hundreds of times. I know exactly how to pinpoint this cancer and cut the tumor out without causing any damage to this area and effectively remove it. Back in these days before that shit even went down It's like well I don't know what the fuck cancer is But you got some shit right here I got a sharp fucking knife And I'm gonna get in there and scoop that shit out probably And then sew you back up and send you on your way And if you're fucked up on opiates Then you're way more bold when you're on an opiate Like you'll do some shit that you wouldn't normally do You'll just do whatever the hell you want to And if you're just cutting on people I can't imagine that that was working out good at all And while he's working At this hospital He gained a reputation For dubious medical practices One thing he was doing Is supplying narcotics To other addicts Selling them Like selling prescriptions Which I think that I I mean I've heard of people Going down for that uh, Recently in Arkansas There was like a bus Where there was a doctor That was working with A police force You know what I'm talking about What town was that It was like a sheriff's department And what the doctor was doing Is uh, So They had like a One of those pain treatment centers Where first uh you would come in and you get a like prescribe the pain pill or you just want pain pills or people would come and like get a bunch of pain pills and take them to a different state and you would have to get a prescription to do it so the doctor would write a prescription and then there was some type of federal law passed and they really cracked down on that so you would come in and the pharmacy that was making tons of money from it was still with it they didn't give a fuck they weren't going to like report anything so the doctor and again and they were paying off the sheriff's department like everyone was in on it and he was selling so you would come in and because I couldn't write you a prescription for your knee hurting of this many pills. I would have to, you know, forge a prescription. Not forge because I'm a doctor, but I couldn't do it the normal way. So, because of that, you would pay me just to write you the prescription. Like, basically, I decided that as a doctor, I'm making way more money doing this shit. So, fuck everything else. I'll just do this and write you a prescription for it. You pay me thousands of dollars for it. You would go to the pharmacy that is working with me and pick it up. No one knows about it. Sheriffs aren't going to pull you over and take it because they're in on it. And you would get out of town. So he's selling prescriptions to other addicts. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it's, it's also crazy to think that this was going on back in the 1900s. Also, he was performing illegal abortions. The abortions, of course, weren't allowed at this time in France. You couldn't get pregnant and then get rid of it. It's a Catholic place. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Uh, life is beautiful. If you had nut in somebody, you got to take care of it, and you want to. That's the whole point of sex for a Catholic is to reproduce. So you're supposed to keep nutting and have butts come out. But how come they
0: can use lambskin though? Good Catholics can. Yeah, I thought there was like some kind of thing. That's why they make lambskin condoms. <laughs> no,
1: I think lambskin condoms are for people that are allergic to latex. My guy. Huh. Uh, I think that this is you. Weird. I don't think you're supposed to use prophylactics at all when you're Catholic. I think when you have sex it's to reproduce. I don't think they. Subscribe to like the sex before marriage is a big deal. You just got to have it if you have it, and that's the goal. And that's why Catholics always have like twenty fucking members of their family. You know what I'm saying? Ugh. Yeah. T- could you imagine how I had dude when I growing up down the street? Like my best friend growing up, his family was Catholic. Uh, by the time I moved away, they had fucking six kids, and then last time we went back, dude, they had twelve kids, and they're like in their goddamn sixties, and they had like six more kids. They've got. They're, like, 60-something years old, and they have, like, three-year-olds running around and shit, and then their kids are fucking splashing out kids all over the place. I would kill myself. Yeah, dude. What the it fuck? I could be
0: sixteen taking care of a fucking three-year-old. Oh, my
1: God, man. It's hell.
0: Uh, taking care of a six- or seven-year-old. You're going to burn in hell. You're just, like...
1: Yeah, dude, Don't, do, are, that. Are, are, don't yeah, do that. Yeah. Stop, stop, don't stop, do that. Stop. Don't do that. Stop. 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 This is bullshit. Stop. 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 Go, to, stop, your stop, okay, go stop. to your room. Okay. Go to your room. Yeah, uh, bad
0: enough. Fuck off. Go to your bed.
1: Yeah. Out of control, dude. Fucking Catholicism is wild. So hey, that's why you can't have abortions. And so, But he was doing them. You know what I'm saying? So he was another hustle. And he's all fucked up. He doesn't care. And I think this is going to lead into his future endeavors. Because, again, this isn't something that's like, a refined technique. I mean, the abortion of today is not a big deal at all. It's a refined medical procedure. The, the, an abortion doctor could do it with their fucking eyes closed. You know what I'm saying? It ain't shit. They know how to do it because they've done it for hundreds of years the right way. But back here in France, when it's illegal, so no one's teaching you how to do it, you're just kind of figuring it out yourself. You know what I mean? So that's fucked up. And then uh, he's also stealing money. He was somehow pinching money from the town's treasury. He stole a bass drum from a local band. And he stole a stone cross from the Catholic Church. Fuck, man. He didn't start a fucking war band. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They just break into his apartment. He's got fucking sunglasses on. The stone cross is turned upside down. He's just kicking the fucking bass drum. The first fucking drum. French he's black fucking middle man. smacking the bass drum with fetuses. Damn. <laughs> uh, so he's still working there. 1926, he had an affair with one of his elderly patient's daughters, Louise de Delavoux, She disappeared in May of 1926, and when police went searching for her, a neighbor stated she used to come over to Marcel Patois' apartment all the time, but they haven't seen her for a couple of months. And about a month earlier, they had seen Marcel Patois load what looked like a body wrapped in a carpet into his trunk. Police investigated him, looked into that angle a little bit, but then they ultimately decided that Louise was a runaway. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was likely his first victim, but we don't know for sure because he never cops to it, and also they ruled her as a runaway, so there was never any concrete evidence. Of course, back then, with no internet to keep track of anybody, no cameras, you could disappear, become an entirely different person, and it was a shit-ass country then, you know, Germany was about to occupy france i mean it's not like you want to f- be around that shit yeah i mean it's war torn it's a rough economy and in france was a lot better than most but you know if you could find a way to like get to america people were doing that left and right so it's common you know it's an easy thing to write off i imagine and, and uh, what i got to thinking about again when we pick bolt thrower and war crimes and we've talked about this before is that there had to be so many serial killers during, during wartime, you know, oh, yeah. like if you're I mean, even not a soldier, like if you're like a civilian and you're not in the army and your town gets like invaded or some shit and you get the chance to just go around and slay whoever you want to and blame yeah. it on the army. That had to have happened so much, dude.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: just that's the most opportune way. And you know, if you're a serial killer and you're a psychopath, sociopath, that's what you're looking for always is just opportunity. So, so many people had to make that happen. Um, funny enough, I mean, and, and this is the most appropriate route for this guy to take is he got into politics. you know, he's a doctor and he's doing well because he's a doctor. That's what's fucked up about society back then is that he's stealing and everyone knows about it. He may have murdered this fucking lady and everyone knows about it. because again, we've talked about in the old times, anytime there's a social event that happens, you know, there's no nightly news. There's newspapers, but anything that happens, if it especially if it's printed in the paper, dude, everyone's going to talk about it. They're just going to, oh, did you hear about this crazy doctor killing these pigs out here? And the word gets around about every single thing. Gossip is the number one mover of news in the 1900s. And despite him being investigated for murder, he ran for the mayor of that town, Villeneuve-sur-Yon, during the debate against the other candidate for mayor, He hired somebody to disrupt his opponent, which is a good fucking move back then. So the guy couldn't get a single word in, and uh, Marcel got elected mayor. And subsequently, as a mayor, he stole everything that he could get his hands on. He took taxpayer money. uh, He stole cans of oil from the railroad depot. He had people go out and just snag up all the oil the railroad brought in. And before stealing the oil cans, he was actually tried... And convicted, sentenced to three months in prison, and suspended from being mayor for just four months. He was suspended in, like... That's it. He just got suspended for being mayor. They're like, well, what you've been fuck? stealing money. You stole these fucking cans of oil to sell. Uh, why don't you not be mayor for a few months? And then he came back, and despite that shit, he continued to be mayor after for three more years and the entire time he continued like everything that comes up missing they're like yo did you steal this shit and he's like oh no but he did I mean he definitely did you know what I'm saying like he's been stealing everyone knows it's him three years he keeps this shit going and he finally gets removed from office in 1931 the next election cycle he runs for a seat on the general counsel in the Yvonne district and guess what he fucking wins and he becomes the youngest man to ever hold this position he held that seat until he was charged with theft of electric power, which basically he wasn't paying for the electricity at his house by way of like running a power line that was supposed to like the old cable trick where your next door neighbor's got cable so you splice into it and take it <laughs> for yourself. He did that shit with electricity. So he was fined and he lost his seat on the council, so he said fuck it and moved to Paris. Oh man, this
0: guy's like a He's doing it, dude. He's punk He just up to hijinks,
1: man. man. He's like a he's like the original Rob Ford. Like, Rob Ford was that fat fucking mayor from Toronto that was cool as hell. He was just having sex with prostitutes and smoking crack and shit. I mean, like, that video that they caught him smoking crack with a prostitute is the funniest fucking thing. Because he's like, like, it's, it's, uh, Rob Ford is a bad motherfucker because everyone knew that he was smoking crack. Everyone knew that he was banging out prostitutes and smoking crack with him. But he was so good at being a mayor that he got re-fucking-elected. Like, twice, right? I think he was like a three-term mayor, dude. And he fucking died from being fat and smoking crack. That's a hot tip, too. If you're going to smoke crack, you can't be fat. Yeah. It's too much, man. You got mayonnaise on top of baguettes clogging your heart. And then you also got the fucking crack speeding that boy up. And just collision coursing with each other. It's bubbling, man. Oh, my God. So, you know, rest in peace, Rob Ford. But that video of him with that prostitute that they're trying to, like, sting his ass, he's just, like, talking to her about the fucking budget. Like, he never turns it off. He, like, got their economy on such a good track. And she's like, well, what do you think about... uh coming back to my place and doing this, and he's like, I honestly can't think about anything but this goddamn budget. You know, they're riding my ass, but here's my idea. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm literally a street-working prostitute. And he's like, but you don't understand that the way the taxes come in and go out, I could take this here and cut this out, move this to here, <sighs> and then when I do that from here to there, we're going to save so much money, and every single citizen of this town is going to profit immensely. Let's elect this fuck again for sure. He fixed all the problems because he's high on crack. Yeah, crack is a two. <laughs> yeah, dude. If you just get, I right, well, Donald Trump's tooted up on something for sure. That's dude. why he's doing such a good ass job, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people want to shit on him, dude. But let me ask you this: Are we fucking sorting shit out with North Korea? Yes or no?
0: I don't know. I don't pay attention to that
1: shit. I guarantee that him and that creep are sharing fucking amphetamine secrets. Hey, listen here. I've been getting high as fuck on this for years. It makes me go fast. Look, I'm old. I drink Diet Coke. And I eat McDonald's every day. What do you think? I'm not slowing down. You gotta try it, you fucking slant-eyed freak. (laughs) 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 Dude, Kid Chalkoon is such a goofy shit, man. I can give a fuck about Baltics, but those are two of the goofiest looking fucks. In the entire universe. And it's so funny that they're working it out with each other. And I think that dude from North Korea is just super hyped on celebrities, right? Like, that's his shit. He just loves movies and TV and fucking basketball players. So, like, that was actually a pretty good fucking move to deal with North Korea is to get, like, a fucking TV star president. And so he's just like, well, you know, I really run really and hate you, but I can, I you fucking, I rock your show, and I really like the way you move your face or in your fire, somebody. I wish I could fire somebody, but we have no job. No job for Kim to fire, so I run a rush Donald Trump fire. And you get in government, and you fire him. (laughs) (laughs) I really love your short spot on... (laughs) Reno Rascals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in Little Rascals, dude. Holy shit. I forgot that fucking idiot's in Little Rascals. Oh, my God. He's got so many cameos in kids' movies. And he's just, like, being a rich fuck in kids' movies, too. Like, uh, Home Alone, dude. He's in there for a second, like, Hey, what's up there, Kevin? All right, F fun, you take. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Uh, we live in the stupidest goddamn world. I would just rather I can we should just be able to kill that man with a sword and a hammer and be fucking president. You know what I'm saying? I don't know
0: if you could say that. Can you say that? I just did. Oh, shit! Hope they come knocking <laughs> on your door. I mean bad. I'm not gonna kill him, you know. No, nobody, nobody knock on my door <laughs> it's falling off. Come and knock on my door. <laughs> come and knock on my door we're going to kill you. Man, there's a picture right there of that specific scene. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway.
1: Uh, That's such a bullshit haircut. He still has that. That's yeah, like 1993. Yeah, sure, 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 But no one on the podcast can see what we're looking at. So uh, in between his political offices, Marcel Batois met and married Georgette Lebois. She's a 23-year-old daughter, and her dad is basically a Donald Trump-type character. He's a wealthy wealthy landowner and owns butcher shops. He's from Signally. And uh, together, him and his wife had a son named Gerhart. What a ridiculous name. Oh, huh, huh. I came inside the old pink sink with the byproduct. We name him a Gerhart. Gerhart. It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger calling someone's heart a girl. You cannot face me. I have a man heart, and you inside of you have a gale hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crud. That kid's fucked uh, forever, man.
0: Well, yeah, you know, they probably did
1: now. Yeah, so he moved to Paris, and uh, he started off in Paris good. You know, he's married, he's got a kid, so he's trying to work on his family. And this is what we see a lot of serial killers do is they have like a dormant period in their crimes where they're trying to do the right thing, they're trying to keep it reeled in. And uh, that this is where you see the positive side of like, psychopath shit is where they pursue a positive thing. Like as hard as they can. So he has his own medical practice now and he works really hard to do good at it, to make a ton of money. And he does, he gets a solid practice. People in the community like him. He's got a good name and a good reputation in Paris. But of course, before long, all that old shit starts to seep in. As soon as he starts to break the path a little bit, he starts stealing shit again. Uh, And then he starts giving addicts opiates and then, he sees the opportunity in Paris definitely to start making tons of money off doing illegal abortions. So he starts that shit all over again. And then he starts to get the reputation of the guy that will do your abortion. He starts to get the reputation of the guy that will prescribe you the drugs you want to take. And then that just makes you that seedy part of Paris. And the police start looking at that. And then as soon as they find something to arrest him on, of course they do, they arrest him for petty theft. And in the arrest, he assaults a police officer And then instead of going to trial and being charged with it, once again, the slippery shit somehow gets to speak with a psychiatrist and is marked insane. So he gets away with the entire thing. No problem. He's fucking insane. Uh, Let's sit into a sanitarium. He spends four months in a sanitarium. But once again, he was released and, and he's got a lot of money now. You know, his wife's got a rich family. He's got a booming medical practice. So... Part of the mind of the community around him is that, you know, he's helping the community, he's making money, uh, hopefully he's paying his taxes, and despite the doctor's doubts of his grasp of sanity, he got out the fuck again, and he's a doctor too, you know, so they're probably like, listen, we think you insane, and he's like, well, well you may think I am insane, but also, I too Am a doctor? So, I tell you, not insane. Okay. (laughs) He gets the fuck out, dude. Uh, It's prescription. Uh, Yeah, and so then they really look into what he's had going on. And, of course, it turns out he hasn't been paying any fucking taxes. He's doing illegal shit. I mean, he's doing illegal abortions. He's got a ton of money coming in. He's definitely not paying taxes on that. He's definitely not selling pills to the community and then paying tax money on those fucking pills, which, you know, is the reason they have a problem with it in the first place. That's always the only problem is that you're not paying taxes on that shit. Oh, that's against the law. So uh, because it's against the law, you're not going to pay taxes on it. So you're fucked. We're going to send your ass. We're going to Wesley Snipes your ass. So you're fucking jail for years for not doing that shit. But he got a lucky break because Germany fucking invaded France in 1939. So he didn't have to do anything about not paying those goddamn taxes.
0: Yeah, because he just went and did whatever the fuck he still wanted to do. as these Germans, they
1: storm in. Just imagine being invaded by fucking Germany. That had to be some scary shit, especially for the French, because, you know, they've got experience with Napoleon, who was a little goof that tried to take over the entire world. Yeah. Came in, guns a-blazing, get real goddamn close to taking over. Actually, uh, I looked at some Napoleon shit not that long ago, because he was pretty fucking hard. And he wasn't that small, really. Yeah, he was like five foot eight, and back then the average man was like five foot five. Oh, so, so he's, he's like
0: bigger than everybody. And
1: five foot eight is like average size now, I think. About maybe like five foot ten, but he's like you know a regular size fucking dude now. But back then he was a big ass dude.
0: So he'd bring the jäger schnitzel with the spatzel, because that's the difference between him and fucking Germans.
1: Yeah, well, you know the Germans were out for some weird shit. Napoleon was trying to conquer to conquer. He wasn't trying to like purify any elements of the world for the fucking French master race. Unlike the old Germans there. But, you know, again, I'm just saying France had first hand experience with that type of, you know, Machiavelli, they had seen all that shit. So when Germany comes to knocking, that's kind of why France, the French bailed on the, the world war. I mean, a, they got invaded and their, everything got fucking laid to waste. Like France got fucking pulverized by the Germans And it was nasty. I mean, they had enough time to set up labor camps and start persecuting the Jewish community in France. And they were persecuting a lot of French people. And they would just smash them. I mean, they burned Paris to the fucking ground. They destroyed the countryside, raped, pillaged, just fucking ran all over France. And that's what they were trying to do to the world. And at a lot of points in World War II, it really looked like to uh, countries outside of America, like Germany was definitely going to do it. I mean, if you got to imagine if you're the French and you've been an ally with America and you're trying to fight off this invasion that's coming your way, because France and Germany aren't that far apart and America's helping you out, that's got to feel good because America is like even more of a power than Germany. But at the same time, if you're in Europe and not in America, because in America, you know, like all you're seeing of the war is the propaganda that we're being shown at home, which is like when you go to a movie theater. You get to see, like, oh, there's our boys. They're over there kicking fucking ass. There's no pussies here in America. We've been working hard, doing push-ups, shooting at these fucking krauts, smashing them. Fuck those fruits. Krauts. America. (laughs) That's what that shit was like, dude. And so the war didn't seem like we would ever lose it to us at home. But, again, in Europe, you had to physically look out your window and see the Germans taking over your country. And that's fucking terrifying. You know what I mean? It's like you are now directly under the control of this insane fuck. And I say Hitler is an insane fuck because he absolutely was like, I would think, you know, even if, if we went into another world war and there was like a dictate, like Vladimir Putin, let's just say was the guy that like rallied up this part of the world. And they had a very good chance of taking over this part of the world. And like you could listen to him talk and he would give speeches and there would be some things he would say. he would be like, yeah, for sure, like, this isn't that crazy. But you would hear, I mean, Hitler was hopped up, again, on methamphetamine, and they were doing weird shit. You know what I'm saying? He had Heinrich Himmler trying to, like, b- open a portal to bring the dead back to the earth to help. Like, they were trying to make an army out of the dead to help Hitler take over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they I were just banging, an banging fucking meth. Yeah, of course we will do. But they were doing just wild shit 24-7, ill and out. I mean, trying to summon old gods Trying to fucking bring forth the end of the world. Just doing wild shit. And if you hear about that and you see this guy's insane fucking speeches about like purity and old gods and shit like that. You're like, what the fuck is happening to the world right now? So, you know, everyone's worked up into a state of panic. And I always feel like if you're a country that's caught in between the two, like you're on Team America. So you pick the wrong side if the other side takes over. You're fucked, man, and you got to be stressed the hell out 24-7. It's like the yeah. fucking bomb sirens are going off. Shit's getting blown up. God. So that's just the frame of mind that they're in. So, again, you know, as tax charges go away, because who gives a shit when your country's being taken over? Now, he sounds like he's doing some real cool shit. He also as been – I mean, his main nickname is Dr. Satan, but a lot of people call him the real-life Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because – he could turn it on some and off. Of his, tra- Yeah, but also some of his track record seemed like real positive. So when Germany takes over, he established himself as a member of the resistance, which, again, what I've been framing is that France was on the side of America. Now Germany's taking over. You can't just say you're on the side of Germany, but at the same time your government is now accepting the fact that it's being invaded by a much more powerful government. So you can't exactly look at them in the face and say, fuck you, unless you're just trying to battle it out. So you have to, like, start complying with what's happening to you, you know? You have to start kind of handing things over and trying to save your own ass. So France is almost a neutral country at this point. Like, they're kind of accepting that Germany's taken over. So within France, there becomes a resistance, which is like a group of soldiers and people that want to rise up against the French government that's kind of allowing Germany to get in now. And overthrow the French government to get the Germans out, so that's what we're calling the resistance. And he became a part of the resistance, which is a totally underground network. You know, it's like again, you don't have any social networking, you don't have a way to communicate with people other than word of mouth. So they're having like secret meetings in sewers, bars, anywhere they can without being under suspicion of anyone else. Churches, and they're just quietly talking about how they're going to take over. He finds out about it. He gets involved. And at first he's helping out a lot because what he would do is he would provide false medical records for French citizens who were forced into German labor camps like Jews and shit and say that they had a disease that would spread to everyone else. So they wouldn't take him into the camp. They would send him out to like quarantine or whatever. And then also the people that were in the labor camps that got sick, that were working, he would take care of them for free. And so he's like part of this network and they would funnel people to him. And, it, you know, let's say let's say the Germans want to take you into this labor camp. Well, you know, at first in Germany, we know how the labor camps worked, where it was actually a labor camp. So they would take people and they would make them work hard labor and they would keep them alive. They weren't like doing experiments and gassing and torturing people right away. It was kind of a gradual slope to that. And then they started starving people. And the treatment got worse and worse and worse. The less money that Germany had and the more depraved that the German soldiers got under the lead of Hitler... And Himmler and they got these examples and they just began into this fucking way of life where it evolved into torture. It didn't start out like that. It was a labor camp, which is shitty enough as it is. But we did the same thing to the Japanese here. You know, we basically we're going to put you in a prison and you're going to work while you're in prison. I mean, you're there anyway. And that's the way they treated it. It was like, okay, well, we view you as a problem and we kind of want to send you back to Israel So until we can get you there, we're going to put you in this camp. And since you're here, you might as well work. I mean, we'll take care of your family. We'll house you. We'll feed you. So they're actually doing this in France, and it's the beginning stage, so it's the same cycle over again. It's an actual labor camp. So you would not want somebody with a contagious disease to come into one of these houses and everyone in the house die. You know, you wouldn't want everyone to die. You wouldn't want your soldiers to die. So if you were going to go and you're part of, like, this resistance group, I don't want you to go, I'm just going to write your medical record to say that you have an infectious disease, and so you're not going to go, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, if you were legitimately sick or hurt there, or let's say you got hurt and it was a minor injury, well, then I could say that you're permanently disabled and you won't go back to work because you can't work. So they And if they would have made the move to say, yeah, fuck it, we're going to bring him here anyway and torture him, then that would have blown their cover. Because, again... There, there, actually was even with Germany, like a certain diplomacy to them coming over uh, into other countries. It was like we're not they—they they wouldn't just be like we're going to flat out torture somebody. They work their way into it. So if yeah. they can't, you know, if they accosted you, or, or they were in your city, they still wanted it to look like they were your friend because obviously but you still gotta
0: you gotta provide a, enough propaganda to get people on your side in the first place to be able to do that. Yeah. So you got to tell all these people the things that you want them to hear so that they will do shit like that so they can torture them. So you can't, yeah, you can't do the route the bat. It's hard to get people on your side if you're just being a fucking asshole to be an asshole unless you're giving them the old bait and swindle.
1: And that's definitely what Germany was doing because the fear at the time was not of the army. They had already flexed over that. But you got to think about the average person could always rise up and fuck everything up. And the army, that's kind of the way that the system works is that the power of the army is intimidating enough to the average person to keep them from rebelling against the government, right? So your army comes in and let's say you have a thousand soldiers, but in that town, there's a hundred thousand people. Now, not all of them are armed and they're not soldiers themselves. So they don't necessarily know how to fight. And the drive and desire is not in them to fight. So what ends up happening is that you need them to be complicit so, if you just take over by force and cram them into labor camps and shit all over everything, there's a very good chance that they'll rise up. And it's like you have this resistance thing going on. People were rising up. And eventually that did pan out for everybody. Now, again, uh, my man here, Marcel, is helping the resistance heavily by false medical reports and uh, treating sick workers that returned. And then the way he got pinched for it by the French government, who, again, is trying to lay down for Germany. They're shook. They're, they're That's where, like, the the stereotype of French people waving the white flag and giving up comes because they just laid down for Germany. But they really had no choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. once they got into Belgium, started coming into France, there was not a goddamn thing they could do about it. So the French government kind of knows what he's doing, and he gets charged for overprescribing narcotics in 1942, which, once again— he just gets a psychiatric evaluation, and then they say, man, this guy's kind of crazy. Let him go. He has to pay a fine, and then he changes his name. He takes the alias, Dr. Eugene, and he sets up this entire thing. And what it looks like for this uh, organization, the, the resistance that he's working with, like an incredible thing, like basically makes the Underground Railroad. Hey, anyone that's Jewish... And running from Germany, anyone who is wanted by the Germans from any country and members of the resistance, the French resistance that the French government or Germany knows about. He goes and he creates this entire network. I mean, obviously, he's working with people and they have, they have an underground sewer system to bring them to a safe area to escape persecution. So if you're a Jew in Germany and you've escaped and you're trying to find somewhere safe to go, if you get in contact with this French Revolution people, and now Dr. Eugene, quote-unquote, you would be saved, allegedly, by him. So it's just, I mean, that's insane, right? Like, that should be one of the huge heroes of World War II. I mean, safely pulling in people who are being hunted down by the Germans. And it's a doctor. He's got tons of money. What's he doing that for? Because... uh He loves his country or he loves people. He doesn't want to see people suffer. I mean, that's what if it was a a good thing. You know what I mean? If he was doing things on the up and up and taking care of people. But goddamn, this thing is going to take a terrifying turn next week. Oh, my God. I can't fucking wait. Cliffhanger, will he do the right thing? Let's Let's find find out. out. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. We're doing a two-parter war crimes was the theme Bolt Thrower What Dwells Within suggested to us by patron Bobby Anderson thank you guys for listening and we'll give you the second disgusting and depraved terrifying half of the story of Dr. Satan next week thanks for checking it out Dr. Fuckhead Satan